I have a mighty, mighty word for you, and I know it's of God. Um, it was birthed in me from the moment that I was asked to speak. And as I was preparing it over the week and just meditating on it, there was lots of obstacles and lots of challenges that came my way. And I knew, oh, no, the enemy wants me to cancel. The enemy wants me to stop. But I know that it is a word. It's a word that is timely. It's a word that is a now word. And so I want you guys to open your word to Luke chapter 1, verse 26. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. And the title of today's message is, The Mother of Jesus, A Walk Worthy of the Calling. The Mother of Jesus, A Walk Worthy of the Calling. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. And it says here, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And the angel went to her and said, greetings to you, to you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Amen. Verse 29, Mary was greatly troubled at this word and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel of the Lord said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. 34. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One will be born, will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will never fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary said. May your word be to me fulfilled. Then the angel left her. And so today I want to share with you the life of Mary. And there are three characteristics, three things that Mary possessed and developed in her. There is favor. It's the first one. The second one is faith. And the last one is uh, fervor. Fervor. I don't know why that word always gets me. Fervor. And I want to share with you that these things can be possessed. What does possess mean? Obtain. Grabbed hold. Taken by force. But it also... Mean, it means that we should possess them, but we should also, sorry, forgive me, develop them in our walk with Christ, meaning we are to discover them. We are to learn more about them. We are to tap into them. We are to cultivate these things in us. You see, when we are walking with God, God gives us, the moment we say yes to God, we have everything access to us. Everything that Christ has died on the cross for us, everything that God resurrected from, we have access to it. His power, his salvation, his grace, his mercy, his forgiveness, everything. And we have it to its full capacity. But as believers, we are called to possess it, but at the same time, develop it. We are to discover Paul, Apostle Paul says in Ephesians that he prayed for the believers that their hearts be enlightened so that they may know the great calling over their life. You see, Paul understood that, yes, many are called, but many do not walk into it because of the lack of knowledge of what God has provided and given to them. But Mary understood this. Mary knew her purpose and her plan. You see, right now we are living in a generation or a culture where Christians no longer have to pay a price to be believers. We, every Sunday, the pews are filled with mediocre Christianity, where Sunday's preaching are more focused on church attendance and a feel-good gospel where little is expected upon those that hear God's word. We are called believers in the scripture, but our tanks are filled with doubt that do not allow the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit to work in us, through us, and for us. We are called Christians after the very believers that were willing to sacrifice everything 
but we walk like the world that has been fallen. You know, I say the three C's, the three C's that affects the church, the U.S. church. And is number one is comfort, complacency, and childish character. We are filled in churches and pews of believers that are immature over the years. You meet uh, uh, Christians that after 10 years, they are still struggling with the same thing. They still feed off of milk and they refuse to eat the meat of the word of God. We have believers that do not read the word of God. We lack. And that's why for that reason, there is immaturity and there is a lack of unity in the body of Christ. The word of God says that we are saints and in the scriptures, or it says in the scripture, but our minds and our hearts and our actions, oh forgive me, we follow the world. We fall short of the great calling God has. You know, Jesus didn't only die for our salvation, but he also died for the calling over your life. A lot of times we treat the calling over our life like as though it's optional, if I want to do it. But the calling of God over your life, Jesus died on the cross for you to have the right to have access to the calling and the purpose and the will of God in your life. Jesus not only died for your salvation and for the removal of the sin and the addictions in your life, but he also died so that you could live with a life of purpose. And here Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 1, it says, I plead to you to walk. I urge you to walk a life worthy of the calling you have received. Every believer has received a calling. If you confess that Jesus is your Lord and Savior, you have a calling. There is purpose. It's not just Pastor Carlos. It's not just Pastor Dennis. It's not just me that has a calling, but you specifically have a calling. And here in the Passion Translate, it says, I plead for you to walk holy. And I like how it translates this. In a way that is suitable to your high rank. You see, God positions you in a high rank through your calling. And many of us are walking in the low levels when we are positioned on high levels to be walking with the full authority that Christ gave to you. And Mary is a perfect example of a woman of God who walked worthy of the calling, the position, and the ranking God gave her. She probably had the most challenging God-given assignment given to any man or woman on earth after Christ. Imagine, she was called to motherhood. Many moms are here. You're called to motherhood. And like Jeannie says, it never goes old. It never ends. It's until she takes her last breath, she has that calling as a mother, as a grandma, as a great-grandma. She'll have that calling. But Mary had a unique calling. The calling she had was to motherhood, but not just any child was she going to give birth, but she was going to give birth to the Son of God. There was a huge responsibility over her. And we're going to dive into her life and to these scriptures, and it shows us three specific things that a believer is to possess and develop in them throughout their walk in their calling. And the first one is favor. Verse 28 and 29. It says, the angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favored. Look at your neighbor and say, I am highly favored. The angel said, you are highly favored, but also the Lord is with you. Verse 30, it says, the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. The Holy Spirit will come on you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. What is favor? In the dictionary, it says favor is approval, support, a Facebook liking. You guys like those, right? And if we really, really like it, we put love. Right? Well, what, what is favor from God? You see, the favor of the world is one thing, but the favor from God is a completely different thing. The favor of God only comes from God. It cannot be earned. It cannot be obtained by our works and our good behavior. I'm a school teacher, and the truth is, those that behave, they just have a little bit more privileges. 
only because they make good choices. It makes sense. The other ones, we just have to supervise them and encourage them a little bit more. But the truth is that we get favor upon good behavior. You have connections upon who you know. But the favor of man is one thing compared to the favor of God. You see, the favor of God is God given, and it could not be obtained by our works, but it is the thing that allows you to do everything God has called you. It is the thing that allows you to not stumble as you walk forth in the perfect will that God has for you. Without favor, it is un you are not able to do what God has intended in your life. You see, God has designed us for the impossible. And many of us, we are, we're walking in the plan and the purpose of God. But there's no element of impossibility in your walk. And if there's no element of the impossible in your daily walk with God, then you are not walking in the plan and the purpose that God has for you. You see, because when God calls you and me, he gives us a, a, a revelation of what is the plan he has in store for you. And that plan is impossible because it makes no sense that God is going to take us out of this perverse world to just live like checkbox. You see, the life that God has for you is greater, is bigger, is larger, and is filled I would describe it like a roller coaster where you're going everywhere and zooming in and out. It's an adventure. You might not know the end, but you are moving as the Lord leads you. It is impossible. We have to live in the element of the impossible things. We are called believers so that we believe in the impossible things. Amen? You guys are quiet. This service too. And um, I will tell you that when God reveals the plan and the purpose for your life, you're going to be taken back. You're going to be overwhelmed. I'm pretty sure Mary was overwhelmed when the angel spoke to her like, me? I'm only a teenager. I've never been married before. You're calling me to be the mother? Why don't you call so-and-so? They're experienced. They know. But he called her. You see, when God reveals to us, we feel overwhelmed and at times unqualified for that position, okay? But what happens is that many times we see the calling of God, but we start operating by our strength, our wisdom, our connections, our resources, and the capacity that we have with us, the capacity that is within our hands' reach. Or reach our hands, I don't know. Okay, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, 10. I love this verse. It says here, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and it's not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast, for we are his workmanship. We are his workmanship. God is working in you, developing in you, molding in you. For what? To do good works which have been prepared beforehand. So when you walk in the things of the Lord, when you become saved, God already dresses you new. You have a new, you're a new creature, everything. God provides everything, the salvation. But he already has good works that you're going to do. And he plans the way out for you. He plans the way. And he says, these are your good works. Don't worry. You don't have to work hard, fight for it. You know, but you have to trust in it. And the Bible says here that the ways that God prepared for you beforehand, they, we should walk into them. That means we walk into it. I don't know about you, but sometimes we see believers fighting, competing with each other, comparing with each other. But the thing is, when God has called you, he has separated you for a specific assignment, for a specific task. And your job is simply to walk in the good works that God has already prepared. It is a settled deal, deal, meaning it's done. It is done. You don't understand. I mean, I'm, I, I'm preaching better than this. It is a done deal, my friends. Meaning that you are simply to walk. God gives you a promise. God gives you a word. God gives you a calling. Your job is to have the favor of the Lord over your life. 
and to walk in its completeness. If you look around you, I had the first service, look around you, look at the chairs you're sitting, everything, the, muse, the, the instruments, the leadership you have here. We're talking in three years, this has been provided. And it's not by your works. It's not by the works done in the flesh, in the nature, natural sense, but it's because of the favor of the Lord that he has over this church. God, from the moment God spoke about revive, this was already prepared beforehand. And I want to share with you the baptism of Jesus in Matthew chapter 3, verse 16 through uh, 17. <clears throat> Here we see where we see the favor of man and the favor of God operating. Matthew 3, verses 16 through 17. It says, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. And at that moment, heaven was opened. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love with him. I am well pleased. You see, God is expressing a, a, a man, um, how is it, like a, a man's favor, which is giving him the approval, the support, the acceptance by saying, this is my son. I, am, I love him, and I'm well pleased by him, even before he did anything. That is giving him the approval as a son. He's giving that as a father to his son. But if you notice here, and this is where it gets really good, is that God also shows the divine favor that is over Jesus. Because where it says, at the moment, heaven was open. The Spirit of God descended on Jesus. What does that mean? It means a whole lot that Jesus had a calling over his life. But the calling over his life did not start till he was 30 years old. And right there where he was getting baptized, he comes out of the water. The scripture says that the heavens open. That means that his calling is beginning, is starting. You see, Jesus didn't do any miracles he didn't cast out any demons. He didn't heal anybody. He didn't speak a word of the gospel until the heavens were open. You see, the heavens being open signifies the favor of God over your life. And many of us are walking a lifestyle that is not impossible. You're using your own tools, your own strength, when God is saying, I have provided a way. I have provided a better way for you so that you can tap into the favor of the Lord. And it is the favor of the Lord that truly equips you to walk in the fullness of the calling. You know, the church, or not the church, but this world is exhausted of seeing ministers and teachers and believers that speak of God, speak of the gospel, but there's no power. There's no power. There's no power of the Holy Spirit. And God is calling for us to walk in a manner that is worthy of our calling. Where there is the unction of the Holy Spirit. Where there is the power and the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. And there you see that the heavens are open. But when you read and you look about Mary, it's the same situation. Because Mary says, okay. This is the calling you have over my life. But how will that be? And there the, the angel says, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Again, heaven open to man. You see, there is a connection between favor and heaven's gates open to us. We, as many times... Um, Many of us might not achieve the calling over our life because we don't tap in to the favor of God. I'm going to say that again. We possess the favor of God, but it's upon us to connect and activate the favor that God has given us in its fullness to you. We are to tap in and call forth what has already been provided. 
needs us. This broken world needs us as believers to walk with heaven opened. In Luke chapter 2 verses 50 uh, Luke chapter 2 verse 52. So that it makes sense. I'm not making up this this fluffy preaching. But it says here Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and all people. Another um, interpretation says that Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature in the favor with all with God and man. What does that mean? That Jesus himself was growing and increasing in favor. The son of God, the man, the, he is king, he is Lord, he is God himself. We must understand. And this is where sometimes our theology is just jacked up. We got to understand that Jesus was 100% man and 100% God. So what does that mean? That while he was on earth, as a baby, he was totally God. He was totally God. But the scripture says that he relinquished his position. He let go what is up in heaven. He left it because he had a purpose. You know what his purpose was? His purpose is to show us how to walk as man with the power of the Holy Spirit. Everything that Jesus did is for the church. Everything that Jesus did here on earth in those three years is for us to operate and walk in. It is not optional. It is part of the package deal. And God is asking for believers to start walking worthy of the call over their life. No more changeria. No more babying. No more being mediocre. God is calling for his church to be the church of God. And favor comes with your calling. This is good. I'm getting caught up in this. This is good. <laughs> Number two, faith. When we go to Ephesians, I mean, in uh, Luke chapter 1, verse 36 to 37, it says, Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. She, <coughs> and she who was said to be unable to conceive in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. And I love this. Look at your neighbor and say, no word from God will ever fail. Oh my gosh, is this the first service or the second service? I think it's the first service. Okay, they're still not awake. It's lunchtime, friends. Maybe that's why. Okay, look at your neighbor and say, no word from God will ever fail. Memorize that scripture. Memorize it. Learn it. Put it in your heart. No word that comes from our Heavenly Father will ever, ever fail. Another translation says, with God, nothing will be impossible. So you see, God designed us for the impossible things. He made it too easy. He designed us for us to craving. Did you guys know that you were designed for the celestial things, for the heavenly things? Not for this world. We were designed to crave the impossible. We were designed to crave miracles. We were designed to crave healings. It's the way God designed us. And when we become a new creature, a, 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 creature, a, a, a new creation in God, we have that design. And I love this because he designed us for the impossible, but he makes it easy because he says, but let me tell you, I designed you for the impossible. Here's the calling. It looks impossible, but don't worry. Anything I tell you is not impossible for me to do. Como he tells you, you got this. He's giving you the answer. He's giving you the steps. He's giving you the formula. Some of us, we are like, we got to study. We got to do this. We got to work hard. We got to achieve. But God is saying, I'll take care of the impossible. You do what I have called you to do, and you will see the favor of the Lord over you. And here it says, with God, there is nothing impossible. The word nothing is made up of two words. Two words. The word no and the word rema. The word rema means a freshly spoken word, a word that is now. 
We know the logos word is the written word, what we read. And so many times we can have believers that read the word of God, but they're just reading it. But they're not putting their spirit into it. They're not putting their understanding into it. And that's why they could read chapters, they could be religious, and they could read all the Bible they want, but they're not transformed. But when we read the word of God with an open heart, an open mind, you will see that God will give you a rhema word. Where that word that was written, you hear it, you see it, and now it's yours. It's alive. It causes transformation. And so the word nothing means no rhema. Now the word impossible means without ability. You might say, well, where are you going with this, Linda? Where are you moving? This doesn't sound too good. No rema and without ability. Well, if we translate it and we say in our own words with these definitions, this is what it says. We translate. We interpret this verse. It says, no freshly spoken word of God will ever come to you that does not contain its own ability to perform it itself. I'm going to read it again. No freshly spoken word of God will ever come to you, will ever come to your ministry, will ever come to this house, will ever come to your household that does not contain its own ability to perform itself. Without you, it has everything. Oh, this is good. You see, the spoken word of God contains every ingredient it needs to fulfill that promise in your life. So glad you're listening to our podcast. And we're believing it'll bless your life. And our desire is to impact more souls with the gospel of Christ. If you want to join this mission and want to give today, we will be so grateful. And you can do so by visiting our website at www.revivecolleen.com or text GIVE to 844-462-9071. Now let's get back to the message. This is good. You see, um, I'm going to explain that there's a story in the Bible where Jesus, the disciples come to him, and they try to cast out a demon, and they couldn't. They say, well, Jesus, why couldn't I cast the demon out? And Jesus says, you have little faith. Surely, surely, I tell you, truly, truly, I tell you that if you had faith like the seed of a mustard, you can move mountains and nothing will be impossible for God to do. Now, the thing is, it doesn't make sense. You see, you have the disciples here asking this question and Jesus corrects them saying you have little faith, but then he compares faith to a mustard seed. Anybody know how big a mustard seed is? There's something they're like, I do. Okay, all right, chickens. <laughs> thank you, thank you, Pastor, thank you. All right, let me tell you, do you know the sprinkles, those little tiny ball sprinkles that you put over ice cream sundaes? Okay, or over a cake, a homemade cake. You know, we don't know how to design, but we make a cake, and we just put that house sprinkle, and it's the cake there, everyone's like, oh, it's homemade. You know? You know those little tiny sprinkles? That little, one little sprinkle is the size of a mustard seed. So here are the disciples saying, um, hey, why didn't, this, why didn't this work? We prayed. We did everything you taught us, but they didn't cast out. The demon didn't go away. And he says, you have little faith. You need to have the, a faith of a size of a mustard seed. And Jesus pulls out this little tiny pebble. Makes no sense. You see, because Jesus wasn't talking about the size. Many of us preach, we need a huge faith. But that's not what God is talking about. That's not what Jesus is talking about. He's talking about quality. A quality uh, faith, a faith that has the ability to grow. You see, when we have faith, we possess faith. This is what Mary did. I possess faith. I don't know the whole picture. I don't know the whole scenario. But what I do know, I will believe in you for. And she has and possesses this small piece of faith in her, the size of a mustard seed that has the ability to grow to a large tree. And so what it is, is as believers, God is calling us to have a faith that we develop as we walk with God. 
that while we are walking and trusting and obeying God, we can see that faith developing and growing in us. Because that faith of a mustard seed has everything, everything it needs to develop. Every seed I put in, I like to plant. Every seed that I put in, I don't have to add anything. Of course, the water. But that seed has all the DNA, everything it needs, all that it's made of to produce on its own. It doesn't need anything manufactured to make it work. It has everything it needs. And that is the faith that God is telling us that we are to possess and we are to develop in our life. If we want to walk worthy of the calling of God. Amen? Good. Okay. Number three. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Number three. Mary demonstrated favor, faith, but she also demonstrated fervor. Fervor. Verse 38, chapter 1 of Luke. It says, I am the Lord's servant. Mary answered, may your word be fulfilled, or may your word to me be fulfilled. And the angel left. I love this verse because it shows Mary being pretty radical, being a young woman called to this. You see, what, what she was saying yes to was the obvious. If she's going to give birth, she's going to be pregnant for nine months, okay? She's probably going to be rejected by people around her because she's pregnant out of wedlock. The handsome man she's engaged to is probably going to leave her, and he has all the right to, right? And then she's going to go through all the gossip and the people talking about her. But she says yes to it because she understands that it is the Lord's calling over her life. And even though it seems huge, even though it seems impossible, she says yes to it. And she goes full force to this. But how many of you guys know that when we say yes to the Lord and his calling at the early stage, it is a lot easier to say yes than when time has gone and things start putting itself in its place and it gets harder. I don't know about you, but I've said yes to the Lord many times. And then a year passes by and I'm like, what did I say yes to? This is a little bit too much for me. It is easier to say yes at the beginning than it is to continue to say yes and continue to serve with a passion. You see, fervor means, <clears throat> fervor means to have intense passion and appetite, dedication, zeal, and a commitment, a commit, uh, commitment to the Lord. You see, she wasn't just committed to what God was asking her. She was committed and hungry for the Lord. Many of us are committed to what the calling can give us, to what the calling can provide for us. But the thing is that we need to go after the one who calls us. We need to be hungry and starving for the one who has called us by name, to the one that has saved us. And Mary was fully going with complete intensity after the Lord. And she said yes, no matter the price or the cost. She didn't realize what she was saying yes to. You know, as a mother, you have this mixture. All those that are pregnant or have been pregnant, we have this mixture where we're happy, we're excited, but we are scared. We are nervous. I remember my sister... Um, she was pregnant when my mom surely passed away. And if I cry, okay. But I remember her saying, like, Linda, I don't know what it is. But being pregnant, I miss my mom more. I miss mommy more. I wish she was here to guide me. I wish she was here to tell me. Yes, we have our father that's alive and he's silly. But, you know, if we talk about any girl issue, my dad's like, mm, got to go, you know. But in her time of being pregnant, in her time of this intense waiting, she wanted that support. Because when we are becoming mothers, there is a sense of these nine months, we feel the baby growing. And we're like, wow, 
this is amazing. This is great, but it's so scary. It's scary to give birth, but it's scary to raise a child. And I want to share that Mary, there was no exception to this. Mary also was anxious about this, was worried about this. It's natural. She was giving birth to a child, but much more, she was giving birth to the Son of God. And if we go to scriptures, and, and let me tell you, I know Mary was not perfect and stuff because she's human. And I want to encourage you guys to let you know that it's interesting how our Heavenly Father, his design to bring salvation to earth was to use a woman that was not perfect. To use a woman that's just like you and me. That, that we're not perfect. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to do some silly stuff. And I know there's some moms that have made some bloopers that you will not confess because you will be afraid of the mom shaming. But if truth be told, you have done some crazy, really bad things. I remember my mom, um, oh my gosh, my mom was a trip. But I remember we were on the swim team, and, and my mom was busy. You know, she was working. My dad's working. So she would come home, pick us up, and then we'll go to uh, the swim meet, and then she'll come straight, and she'll start cooking. Well, one day after practice, my mom picked, well, she was there. She takes us. We load the van. We're in there. We're entertained. You know, we're talking. We're playing, listening to music. We get to the house. Mina, go do your homework. Go clean this. Go do this. And my mom starts cooking. And all of a sudden, ding dong. Someone goes on the door, my mom goes, check who it is, Linda. And I remember this. And seven, I check, I was like, I mean, I so-and-so. So-and-so from, from um, the, the swim team, the mom. And mom goes, oh, why is she here? Why is she here? So she opens the door, hi, how are you doing? She does this small talk, you know, me and my, my mom's broken English. And she's like, oh, hi, I did it. And so she has this conversation, the lady goes, did you forget anything? And mama goes, no. I was like, Linda, do you got your bag, your swim bag? No, 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 no. And she goes, are you sure? And she's like, no. And then from behind her, I was there. From, oh, oh, my God, Mama was so embarrassed. From behind her pops my brother. And she's like, Mom, you forgot me. And my mom was like, oh, my God, oh, my God. She went like weeks feeling the worst mom. Like what Latina mom will leave her child? And, guys, that was like a good 20, 30-minute drive. And my mom was cooking full-blown, and she left my brother. I always told my brother she did it on purpose. <laughs> she's acting, but she did it on purpose. But, but I say this, that we've all made these mistakes. We've all done some crazy things. And to think that God is going to trust mankind with his son is pretty marvelous. We have a really amazing God. That a God that says it's not about perfection. It's not about you doing it perfectly. God is saying, just do it. Do it for me. Trust in me. Seek me with that appetite. I will not shame you. I will not abandon you. I'm with you. Amen? And let me tell you that let's go really quickly to Luke chapter 2, verse 33. We see here that Mary said, yes, everything's great. She's excited. She gave birth to her son. It's eight days. She's walking into the temple. <coughs> She's walking into the temple. Verse 33, it says, the child, oh, so let me tell you, they're walking to the temple and there's Simon, a famous prophet that the Lord told them that he will not die until he sees the salvation of Israel. And here they come, uh, John, uh, Joseph and Mary come and they have baby Jesus. And there Simon takes hold of the baby, embraces and says, this is the salvation of Israel. This is the one. And he speaks this prophetic word and he prays over them. But listen to what he tells Mary. He says, the child's father and mother marveled at what was said about them. They were excited. All the good stuff Simon was saying. Verse 34, then Simon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the fall and the rising of many in Israel and to be the sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. Listen to the last part of this verse. And a sword will pierce your own soul too. That doesn't look too pretty now. She was all excited. I'll, I'll, 
I'll be, I'll be pregnant for nine months. This is good. She had eight days where she fell in love with the son of God, her son, her child. She was embracing him, loving him, but then all of a sudden she received a word from God that her heart is going to be pierced as a result of the calling she received. You see, Mary was given insight to what was happening, not the full picture. We know the full picture because we're on this side of the story. But she didn't know the full picture, but she knew that it was going to be a sword that's going to pierce her heart. And let me tell you what Mary did. Mary continued to say yes. Because later in the chapter, it says that Jesus grew up to have the favor of man and was fully grown with wisdom and the grace of God. And I'm going to close with this. Sorry, guys. That's what happens when I type a lot. But here is Mary was, and I'm going to share with you, because many times when we receive a calling from God, we don't know the details, but we get hyped up in, in visualizing and, and sensing what will be. Oh, man, God called me to be a pastor. Or God ta- called me to start a ministry to feed children in the neighborhood. Or God called me to be a doctor. Or God called me to be a teacher. And we start picturizing and we start thinking and dreaming of what's going to happen and how it's going to look like. We start setting these dreams and these expectations of what's happening. But all of a sudden, as the years go by, the time goes by, we start seeing like, this is not exactly what I thought it was going to be. I didn't expect this heartache. I didn't expect this challenge. I didn't expect this pain. I didn't expect this suffering. And you see, Mary was suffering through the years of Jesus' message or Jesus' ministry. You see, Mary was that mother that provided for him that took him on the first day of school, that was the mom that heard him speak his first words, saw him walk those first steps. She saw everything. She lived for her calling for her son, Jesus. But let's talk about what else she lived through. You see, she was the one that saw Jesus being rejected by his own people. She saw Jesus being gossiped and criticized for the good that he was doing. She saw the news and she heard of all the plots of the Pharisees and the religious men that were plotting to kill Jesus. She saw Jesus being arrested and taken from court to court and Jesus never saying one word against what was being accused of him. Imagine that, the son that you raised, that was perfect. The son that you loved that was better than any child, was a good son, was an honoring son, an obedient son, did everything she told him to do. In fact, it was because of her command that he started the ministry. He was an obedient child. And she sees in the courthouse people blaspheming, talking and criticizing and and saying lies against his son. She was there, she heard it, and never once did her son speak out. He stayed quiet like a lamb going to a slaughter. And I'm pretty sure Mary being the mother saying, Jesus, speak up. Did I do this all in vain? There's no way, please tell me this ain't gonna happen. God, please tell me this is not gonna happen. Jesus, please speak up, defend yourself. She saw her son carrying a cross. Imagine the pain, the heartache of this mother. She saw her son being crucified and hanging on a cross. You see, Jesus was her son, her firstborn, her everything. But he also represented the calling of God over her life. And she's seeing Jesus being crucified. She's seeing her ministry, her calling being crucified what is this did I mishear you God did I not understand you correct imagine the emotions that is stirring in her maybe anger frustration confusion what is this you see the calling of God 
will always bring pain and suffering. The truth, the true calling of God will always bring pain and suffering. You think that God is just going to call us and not feel the pain of this world? It's the pain and the suffering that God uses to mold us, that God uses to transform us, that God squeezes and the goodness of him come out. It is in that process of being molded where God, you become more like him. And here is Mary losing her one and only son. And there she realized that all these years, all these sacrifices, all these hard work that she did is now coming to an end for a world, for a world that was in sin. And she realized that now I understand that my calling was way bigger than me. My calling was way bigger than what I expected. My calling is connected to eternity. You see, the calling that God has over your life is eternal. It's greater than you. It's greater than your generation. It speaks forth to the generations that are to come. God is asking for the church to rise. God is asking that the church stands up and rises up to the calling of God. God is wanting men and women to say yes, to say yes to him. And he says, I will provide it all. I will give it all. You need favor, here it is. You need faith, here it is. But seek me. Seek me no matter the cost. No matter the sacrifice. No matter the pain. Mary, in the generations, 2,000 years ago, she continues to continue to be, her story be told. Because what she did was an amazing thing. She brought the Son of God. And through her, we are blessed. I don't know about you, but I think it's time that each one of us taps in to the calling God has. Because lives depend on it. Not just your family. Not just your marriage. Not just the circumstance that you find yourself. But there's a generation that is needing for you to rise up, revive, to rise up to the calling, to the gifting that God has for you. And I want to open this altar for anyone that wants to say, God, send me. God, I say yes to my calling. I know some of us have relinquished, have let go of the calling that God has. Maybe you've been discouraged and you say, wait a minute, this is not what I expected. I think I misheard. But I'm here to let you know you did not miss here. You did not miss here. God is using all things to work for the good of those that love him. Every story, every page of your life, God is using for a purpose, for a destiny. And I want to leave this altar open if anyone wants prayer. If you're saying, I need to tap into the favor of God. I need to tap into what God is doing in my life. The altar is open. but it's about having a heart that is surrendered to God. God, I give you thanks, Lord Jesus, for this message, Lord Jesus, because I know there are many, Lord Jesus, that find themselves lost in their calling. They don't understand what is going on in their life. They expected something different, but you are the God, the perfecter of our faith, God. 
and you are aligning and making things right, God, begin to speak to their hearts and their minds, Lord Jesus. Revive, aflame the calling of God over their life. And I pray for those that might not know what their calling is, God, that you show it to them, God. That you reveal the purpose that they're here on this earth. That you reveal the purpose why they are a member of Revive, God. Stir in them a heart to serve you. Stir in them, Lord Jesus, to activate the heavens open to them. Let them not be exhausted. Let them not give up too soon, but to fight the good fight, to race the good race, God, that they will climb and move and move and move and conquer, God. Oh, hallelujah. God is saying you are more than a conqueror. Yes, God, yes. You are more than a conqueror. I'm here to let you know many of us have been living less than, but God is saying you are more than a conqueror. I have equipped you. I have designed you for great things. God says you are more than a conqueror. Every spirit, every spirit of lies, every spirit of confusion be cast out. You are more a conqueror. God is saying, God is saying, he's speaking to you. Some of you are saying, how does she know? I'm letting you know that God is speaking to you. You are more than a conqueror. You are more than a conqueror. I have designed you. I have created you. I have taken you from the pits. I have healed you. I have healed you of your wounds. I have healed you of your weaknesses. I have let go of all addictions in Canada. There has been addiction that God has removed over your life. And God said it's for a reason. It's for a plan. I am calling you. I am calling you. Revive, I'm calling you. Revive, I'm calling you for greater things. Begin to pack your bags. I am calling you for greater things. Greater things. Move, move. I see traveling. I see ministries that are traveling in this place. Hallelujah. Pack your bags. The Lord says, pack your bags. Revive, pack your bags. I am sending you. I am sending you to the nations, to the cities, to the states. I am sending you. You're more than a conqueror. Yes, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Sweet presence of God. Sweet presence of God. It is not by your strength. It is not by your strength. God is saying, depend on me. Depend on me. You are depending on man's favor. You are depending on man's connection. But God is saying, depend on me. Depend on me. And you will see greater things. You will see greater things. It's not what you can make. It's not what you can make. It's not what you can do. You will see greater things in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.